All right, views before the six. Six, here we are. Welcome back. Let's go, let's go, let's what go. What up, Thrust? Let's go, let's go. The let's vacation go, let's is go, over. That's right. How was, how was your winter break, Thrust? Winter on break, holidays. Was, uh, it was good, man. It was, you know, family, a little bit of running around, a little bit of daddy time, a little bit of, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it was good, though, man. Definitely good to reconnect with some people, as always. What? Eat some good food, you know. I just went down to the Dominican Republic for a week. That was a good time with the fam. Oh, you know man. what I mean? Got some great, some great pics and everything. But, yo, we are back. And, uh, you know, before we go any further, we want to talk real quick. Send a rest in peace to Combat Jack. That's right, man. You know what that I mean? He a- passed away in December, December 20th mm-hmm. of colon cancer. I mean, this guy was a huge inspiration for us. In doing this podcast, mm-hmm. I remember we had actually talked about that in episode zero, and uh, yeah, it was definitely one of the like driving forces behind us saying, "Hey, man, we should do something with the different and, twists, uh, man." So yeah, he passed away. Uh, there's a GoFundMe for his family, you know, GoFundMe.com backslash Combat Jack. I mean, dude, he. Pod, the pod father, you know what I mean? People That's call right. him, refer to him as, you know? But he also worked at, like, The Source, and he had a dope uh, blog back in the day. He was a lawyer, too, right? He lawyer was a lawyer, too. Lawyer he worked too, at Def man. Jam. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Very, very, a uh, lot of hands and a lot of things, man. Pioneer. Exactly. Definitely. So, yo, rest in peace to Combat Jack. Salute to you. Uh, what else, man? Oh, oh, what else we got? What's 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 good? Yo, you can find us on all the platforms now: iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, uh-huh. Stitcher. We're still working on Spotify, uh, but please subscribe, rate, and comment. You know what I mean? We don't move anywhere if we don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is going on, man? You got a lively calendar, a lot of things happening over the next, you know, couple of weeks. And yeah, man, there's talks about doing some live shows, which would be pretty cool and interesting, man. You know yeah, what I mean? So, yeah. we'll see, you know, like, maybe in the, around the summertime, see if those things pan out. You know, what else, man? What other what other things are going on? Yo, uh, you're doing, um, what are you doing? You're doing the thing there with Motion and Attic. Yeah, we, you know, we got this uh, uh, Northern, uh, Northern Touch before the six, uh... Salute Gates, I guess you want to say, going Work. on at the Reference Library. Uh, that's on the the twelfth, I believe. That's next week, Monday. Yeah, February the twelfth. February the twelfth, and myself, Motion Addict, Del Cowie, uh, and, and other guests, I'm sure. And yeah, it's going to be building on uh, on the '90s, the, you know, our, our so-called golden era, and uh, just you know, from then to now, sort of thing, and just talk about you know, the final era. Cool stuff, man. Cool, yo. I saw because yo, this year is the twenty year anniversary of That's Northern right. Touch. That's yo, right, big man. chew, big chew, big chew, and lick a lick a lick a lick. I you saw, the, I saw the the CBC um, Q. Yeah, yeah, big up, man. You know, Ty Ty Harper. Shout man. out to Ty Harper, man. Ty yeah. went in the, in, in the trenches and really, really uh, pulled out a really dope, uh, dope piece, man. And uh, yeah, I just like the way he put it together and just pulled everybody. And it's not not easy to get everybody together like that, so. Definitely salute super CBC dope. and everybody for putting it together and commemorating that record, which we had so much fun and continue to have so much fun with. So, right. go peep it, man. 
Online, CBC, let's go. Word, word. Uh, what else is going on, man? Shout out to Daniel Caesar, Grammy nomination. Yeah. And let's see a Carl winning Best New Artist. I mean, man. You know. Canada, what up, what up, what up? And always repping on the music scene. You, you know, know doing do. the thing, doing you know the thing. We do, taking it worldwide. We, we, like, we like the young artists as well, man. What else? Uh, check out some other Toronto podcasts, Toronto-based podcasts, you know. Uh, we love hip hop. My man Friday and Herc, Extra Gravy Show, That's right. Shot Club Podcast, uh-huh. Maple Syrup is doing it. Oh, Come Up Show with Chetto, Super Dope. Well, of course. Rich Kids got his. Let me talk my shh. Shh. So, you know, check them out. Subscribe, rate, and comment for those guys too, man. Toronto, we're just doing the thing. So, yo, we're going to be back starting Monday. Every Every two weeks, episodes will be dropping. And uh, looking forward to a great, great season this year, man. Keep us locked in. Keep us loaded. Let's go. Let's, Let's go. get it. Views before the six. We're here now. All right. Views before the six. We're back. Once again, get, get, get. vacation is over. Thrust. You know what to do. You know what it is. You know what it is. We got to get some of that mind. We got to. You got a very special, special. They're all special. But uh, yo, this is this is personal. Let me tell you something about our guest today. If you say the word motherland to me, that phrase, <laughs> I cannot say, yo, kiss, you went to Africa? Nah, Japan. It's like a Tourette syndrome thing for me. Like, by default, I always say that whenever someone says the term motherland. So, yo, this week we got a special guest. He goes by the name of Kish. Yo, Kish, what up? What's good? What's good, family? What's good? We are here. Okay, yo, first question we ask everybody, Kish, is were you born in Toronto? I was born in Oakville, just outside of Toronto. Okay, word, word. Oak, 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 oak. Wow. So when did you move to Toronto then? Um, I I was really, really young. I mean, my it was right after my parents split up. So yeah, I was. That's when uh, I moved to uh, I moved to Toronto. So yes, not not born right in the four one six, but right adjacent to. Okay, so yo, where did you grow up in Toronto? Uh, I grew up in North Toronto, and it's really actually kind of interesting because um, where I grew up um, was right across the street from Northern, which was where Thrust and I met. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and Thrust. Oh, you guys met in high school, yeah? Yeah, that's what I said. I told him tweets before that we got, like, we don't. We, just, we have relationships as artists, but we have relationships as friends, and just even as finding hip hop, like at the same time, and everything, and everything just aligned. I was even, <laughs> I was even. If you look at a lot of the footage, actually, I was kissing the hype man, even a lot of yep. times. Back at the footage, too. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Through a lot of his stuff, you know what I mean. And I was still rough. You would have known me for other stuff, AGG and. He's doing a bunch of other stuff. But, yeah, we always hit the prime, man. It's just interesting. from high school. Okay, so, yo, Fish, what, what's your background, man? Uh, I am half Japanese and half British. Okay, word. That's dope. Yeah, right? Uh, you got you to tell them, man. You got the relics, man. You got to tell them about your family and, like, when you say Because I always tell this story to a special few about when I went to, used to go to your, your dad's house. You live across the street from Northern. What did you have in that basement, man? It was so special. Where is that, actually? You know what I'm talking oh. about, right? Oh, are you talking about the Blade? 
The blade, man, yeah. And like the lineage. Is it, is it true your grandfather was a samurai? No. Uh, <laughs> there was a family blade that, um, that was passed down through the family line, but that connection to um, that aspect and that part of my heritage is, you know, was embodied through, part of it was embodied through that, that blade, which was a pretty incredible thing. And it's one of those things that, um, especially now, I mean, even, you know, as I'm at this point in my life, when I look back at, at certain things, um, how, how significant those things were to be around, because it was, um, you know, obviously there was a, there's a heavy amount of symbolism that goes into something like that that exists and is passed down from generation to generation. But it's also it also marks, you know, uh, ancestry. But you know, when it, it when I I think about how it relates to even my father, my father was the first uh, Japanese man to represent Canada in an international game. Sick. And then after that, I had the honor of being the first hip hop artist in Canada signed to a major label. Word. So it, it's almost like. Okay. It's almost like subconscious things that that are, you're around or that you have that you're in the presence of. These things influence you to kind of push forward and do things and to you know reach uh, reach further because you're inspired by them. So to, ha- to have the 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 honor and the benefit of being around something like that, it it absolutely was something that um, reinforced that sense of. Um, of a necessity to kind of, to, to, you know, to strive and to be, yeah. you know, to reach beyond and to, you know, push boundaries and stuff, which, which I would be remiss to say that Thrust was utterly, absolutely, and completely instrumental in um, assisting me reaching that goal because it was Thrust who took me to Ron Nelson's studio and where I recorded my very first demo. Okay. You know, I forgot that. I didn't even remember that. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. It, 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 it would be, I would be utterly remiss if I did not say, if it were not for Thrust, I would not have cut that demo. That's crazy. Yes, yes. yes. But that was, the, you know, that was the Northern, because that, that school was crazy. Cause it was us, X, like, it was a bunch of us around that Big time. Big C. Big C was there in the mix. Green. You know what I mean? And then the extension would be Mastermind because he was kind of right. And that was like, if you listen to the other beats before the six, interviews we were talking about that that time, everybody was kind of mingling and climbing. Sure, and D- DJ hey, Supreme right? was there. Yeah, so... Okay, so yo, this is a great, a great segue for me to ask you. Who were the first Toronto rappers you remember? Um, <laughs> Rumble. Okay. Yeah, buddy. Uh, Crushing Scad. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Dope. Melody MC. Yeah. And you know who that is. Um, his 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 first incarnation. Um, uh, obviously Thrust. Uh, Butch Lee. Word. Okay. So you're going to concert hall and that kind of stuff back in the day. Hey, yeah. One, hey, there's one and name. I, I know, hey, there's one name I know you want to say. You didn't say. I know he listens to the podcast. <laughs> wait, wait, who? Who? I'm, I, and I, I apologize right away if I missed. I know you're gonna say Sean Force. 
Oh my god, yeah. Oh, what am I saying? Absolutely. K4. I know you guys are tight. I know this is so many yeah. He was on his Four. first album, Missionary. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. We were, yes, I said, that's another person who was riding with you. Know, you back to Force, Force is like, I, I don't think I would be presumptuous in saying that Force is like a brother to me. Force is, is just Force is just that dude. Yeah, it seems to be the sentiment we get around here. Force, right? still, force still is that dude. Exactly, right? Yeah. When you meet Force, you just know, man. Okay, so yo. No, you just know. I mean, and that's even when, shoot. I mean, and you got to remember something about Force is, first of all, Force, like Thrust, knew everyone, okay? And everyone knew him. But secondly was... Force was in a time where, where before even the term Screwface Capital had been coined, Force was one of the only guys that everybody was rooting for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everybody wanted to see Force win. Everybody. Everyone was like, that's that. He is the dude. The only person that had it close to, like, Force, like, we just knew, like, Everybody was like, he had the attributes, and it was like, everyone was like, yeah. It was like when Sox did ah! yeah, yeah, exactly. Sox didn't have the city. Yeah, yep. Like, yep. Uh, and, he, and, and even then. had the city, and then he had, even when New York saw him, they had, he had, right away they had him do, like, he's one of those people, like, you just see it. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. an undeniable athlete when you see him on the court. You know what I mean? You're like, wow. That guy's going to be a star. Yeah, yeah. That was absolutely it. I mean, yeah. it's 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 kind of corny when when you know to, to to fall back on that whole thing of like the it factor or you you know the you know it when you see it or the yeah. whatever it is. But absolutely the wow factor. But without question, Force was that guy who had that magnetic charisma. And I remember hearing um, Thrust. You probably remember this. There was a, a. I wish I still had this cassette, but it was this. Uh, I remember getting a cassette of him cutting something, and I think the, it was called two, 2 and 2 Plus. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? Keep going, keep talking. I have all it was like It, it was like, it, it sounded kind of like a Daylight track. It was like, something going solo. A 2 and 2 oh, Plus, yeah, him no, going exactly solo. What you're talking about. You yep. know what I'm talking about. Yes, yeah, so we had an album, we had an album like floating around him. I a couple tracks, yeah, like, oh, man, shoot. <laughs> that's that stuff. And, and this, is the, this is the thing that, you know, you see guys like that, and, and, you, and I always think, like, whenever he and I, like, talk on Facebook or whatever, it's like, I always think back to that time of how, how utterly grateful I was to be a part of that because there's a lot of stuff going on in Toronto right now, and and I, I mean absolutely no disrespect to anybody because I'm happy for everybody who's getting on right now. But I remember that time as being like there was just a really magical energy in the air because yeah. everybody was kind of like it, it was exciting. It was really just exciting. It was outside, and, and it was for reasons yeah. other than getting signed or whatever. It was like just the sheer skill of doing what you were doing. Yep. Yeah. Yes, son. 100%, man. See, yo, you're going to concert hall. You're doing all that kind of stuff. How do you get into music? Like, at what point do you decide that, yo, I'm going to start rapping? Oh, I mean, I just, I mean, here's the thing. Okay. On the low, I was always into hip-hop, you know, because I was, I was b-boying before all that. Okay, um, what? 
but when I was much more flexible than I am now. But um, yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, but but the thing is, is I'm dyslexic, so. Hip hop and poetry was a way for me to structure and organize language in a way that allowed me to convey what I was, what I meant, and to understand things on a written page much more clearly and much quicker. So it almost, in a weird way, was an educational tool for me. Word, that's dope. So it forced it forced me to, and it was something that I did like entirely of my own volition and entirely within my own scope because it was something that was kind of like um at that time diagnoses of things like dyslexia were they were just coming to the fore and so there was admittedly for me there was a degree of shame with it but on top of that it was kind of like um it developed as its own coping mechanism you know what i mean mhm so that was that was something where it was like um, that memorizing the words to the songs, writing out the songs, writing out my own um, initial rhymes and all that kind of stuff. That was a way for me to organize language in a way that um, that mitigated the effects of dyslexia. Exactly. Word. Cool. That's dope. It's like you could do like a freaking. Yeah, absolutely. Because that would be so helpful to so many people in a fun, fun, entertaining, and easy way. Especially for kids. That's crazy, man. There you go, man. Yeah, especially for kids, you know, who may feel, um, you know, disempowered or um, they, you know, have the, the, they don't get the luck of the draw and they're around a teacher who may not have the degree of compassion, caring, or insight to identify those things immediately. Um, right. that, that's And those things are so critical at such a young age because at that formative time, it can either make or break a kid. Oh, but especially we're talking about, well, I'm going to assume, the early 80s and shit, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. You weren't equipped for that shit back then, you know what I mean? No, absolutely not. And there was no sort of social frame of reference that you could go through, and there yeah. sure as hell was no Internet where you could kind of, in your own home, access a wide variety of resources that would that would uh, dispel a lot of rumors and allow you to, to empower yourself with a lot more information and knowledge. Exactly. See the beauty of hip hop, man. See, okay, so yo, so you're saying like Thrust took you to the studio for the first time. That is correct. That, I'm gonna assume that's Beat Factory. No, that right is ahead. when. Oh, okay. That is when um, Beat Factory and Ron Nelson Studios existed in the same house. They were in the basement. Okay. So there was this thing where um, you know you would go to the side door and you you know knock on the door and then you would go down the staircase and on the left was Beat Factory, and on the right, uh, once you passed by a mural that never seemed to get finished, um, <laughs> there was Ron's studio. Um, and the vocal booth in Ron's studio, now I had it easy because I'm only 5'8", but the vocal booth in Ron's studio I think was under the stairs, so it had an angled surface on the ceiling. So yeah. if you were like 6'2", you were crouching. Right, 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 right. So I was in there going... I remember looking up at the thing going, uh, I'm kind of glad I'm not the tallest dude in the world because this would be wild uncomfortable. <laughs> okay, so yo, how old are you these times? Oh, man. How, what? Eight, 
18? Is that about right? Okay, wow. Okay, word. And, and like, this is this about the time, you know, when um, uh, everybody was had was on the cusp of using an SB1200 or an SB12. Uh, the MPC60 had just, just, just come out and really did not have the same degree of of um, uh, recognition or widespread usage as the uh, as Emu's products did. Right, 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 right. And, and and what was really interesting was yeah. uh, X, X and Ron used the SP12 and the SP1200. But when you went over to work with Maximum 60, he actually used a Commodore 60 with uh, software that I can't remember the name of off the top of my head. It was like Logic, though, wasn't it? It was like, it, it was like Logic. It was like a Commodore 64, but he had, it was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Talking yeah. About. Crazy. So, yo, is it like, were you always Kish? Did you have another name before Kish? No? Nah, it always was that. Okay, so, like, what's the, first, what's the first shit you record? First thing I recorded was, I believe, a song called, which uh, 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 an incarnation, an iteration of the song ended up on the first album, Strict Economics. Okay. Um, and the, in Ron's, Ron's studio. Um... And I remember X did the cuts on it, and okay. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of like for the halting way that I'm describing it because I'm trying to like as you're saying it, I'm trying to recollect it. Um, and then I recorded a couple things in Maximum 60s studio, but I honestly can't remember the name of those songs. None of those songs made it to the album. Okay. Um, but that was even even the time of being there. What was great about that was Ron's kitchen was as much of a creative kind of a hub as the studio was because you go upstairs to hang out in the kitchen for a bit and D. Shan was there or Dizzy was there. Word. And, you know, you'd be like just laying in the cut and it would be, you would, it would be like Toronto's own version of like D&D Studios. I mean, the, and this is kind of crazy. <clears throat> the first time I went to work with Maximum 60, um, I knocked on that screen door, and I, you know, kind of, I guess, misjudged exactly how hard I was knocking, and I broke the glass on it. Oh, this is the first time? Yeah, which, and, and here's the thing. I, I cut my hand, well, I would say I cut it badly, but I actually cut it pretty well. Um, and the, as I'm standing there, as I'm standing there, and the only thing I'm thinking about is, Ron is going to kill me. As I'm thinking that, as I'm thinking that, King Lou comes up, he goes, yo, is your hand all right? And I'm like, no, I don't think it is. I think I need to, like, wash it out. So that was the first time I met King Lou, when I cut my hand. <laughs> okay, word. So, you know, all those, like, that little thing. And if you would have shown up on certain days, you know, I mean, Mishimi would have been there. MC Light passed through to record there. Like, you know, mad people passed through to record at that oh, spot. through there. Like, you never know who's going to be in that place, man. That, that house. The backyard was crazy. Remember the backyard? So that's the yeah. Backyard. Oh, yeah. That was nuts. So back there, and you just, like, holy smokes. You just never know who's going to be there. Right, right, right. When you put it, like, the Toronto D&D, &D, that's probably what it was. That's, I never heard it put in that little... 
conceptualized like that, but it makes sense. Like, it was just that gathering spot. So, like, wait, did you have any singles before you did the album, the first album? No. What happened was um, I graduated from high school, and I was like, okay, I, I, I want to make a record. Um, but I figured the easiest or the best way, the smartest way to do it for me was save up my money and try and get um, either get enough money to record the demo to shop it, or if you've got the songs that you like, release them on 12-inch. Because remember, when you were pushing, there was only like, I think, two places in Toronto that you could, if if that, that you could record, you could press wax. One was uh, Lacquer Channel. Yeah, right. Um, right. And I can't, I can't remember the other one, but yeah, but the the um, so I worked at a bank and I was like saving up my cheese and I didn't have a driver's license at that time, so I would take the bus out to uh, Victoria Park and whatever it was to go, you know, to where you know Ron's place was, and I would take all my stuff with me and then cart it all the way back and you know the whole thing. Um, and ended up with a demo and was like, man, I think I'm going to shop this instead of, um, instead of trying to press the records because that seems like if I get a no, I can always go back and press the records because it won't be, it would not have been in wide release. I would have only have exposed it to the people at various labels. Right. So it wasn't, no. it wasn't like you would have released it on say YouTube or Spotify or whatever, where it's like, well, once oh, it's out, it's out. So... I kind of in that moment thought, eh, it's a no-lose proposition if I shop it first, because if I get a no, I can always just release it. So right around, concurrent with that, right around that time, I met Francis Friedel, okay, who was the brother of Farley Flex. Okay. So Farley, I'm, through Francis, I met Farley, and that was how the deal with A&M culminated because um, Wes had been signed to LMR but was distributed in Canada on Attic, which is, was a subsidiary of A&M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he had a, a relationship with them, and so Farley was like, yo, I think I could take you in here, and I think, we, I think you got something. I think we could do this. So I was like, all right. Cool. So we linked all of that up, and that was how the deal. I'm condensing, but, well, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to. Leave, I'm only trying to sort of get the important points. But that was basically how it culminated. Um, you know, and special, obviously, special, dear, dear. You know, heartfelt shout out to, to Francis because he unfortunately passed away a couple of years yeah, ago, which was very, true. very tragic and heartbreaking. Word, word. Okay. So, yo, this this whole time, this is like first. First Offense is producing all this stuff, right? Peter and Anthony, yeah, had just finished um, uh, Symphony in Effect, and they were actually doing, um, they had actually been doing a lot of uh, house music. And they knew guys like, they knew a lot of guys even from the New York scene, like um, uh, Pal Joey and uh, Bobby Condors and all those guys. Word. So they knew, and they had also signed because they were <laughs> they were notorious for keeping their, like their dealings very very on the low. Like you never knew what those guys were doing. They had a lot of aliases too, man. They, oh my, yeah, they had a ton of still, aliases. They probably still do right now. Like there's probably something on the radio playing right now, and it's 
I'm not even kidding right now. I'm not even kidding. It's probably five ten. Like, like they're just like that. These guys and you, gotta, exactly, and you would never oh. know. You would never ever know. And we gotta um, get them on here. Like we're, we're working on getting yeah, them on. Yeah, 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 Maximum yeah. sixty. Like Mr. Rich uh, Rival has a has a link, man. So we're gonna we gotta get them. Actually, on. Actually, well, I was speaking with him. He's gonna come on yeah. soon too, right? So yeah, Richard, um, yeah, Richard Richard Rodwell is good people. He's oh, good not, people. super super nice dude, man. Right? Yeah. So, yo, let's talk about Order from Chaos for a minute. Why is that name as a title? Because I absolutely love it. Because I understand that. Well, thank, thank you. Um, the name really uh, was actually came kind of a little bit out of a sc- <laughs> the first of many uh, increasingly uh, explosive scraps with A&M. They wanted to name the album I Rhyme the World in 80 Days. Farley and I kind of looked at them like their head had been planted on their body sideways and said, that's kind of the stupidest thing I've ever heard. So I said, you know, based on what the experience of making the album was to that point and getting to that point, it was like, it was sort of like the co everything coalescing and coming and being able to be put on tape and then, and and being released was kind of like pulling things out of the ether, the chaos, and then organizing them in a way over beats and, you know, basically distilling it down to this thing. So that was the order. And I was like, that's what I feel, order from chaos. And that's, you know, obviously as a, I mean, from time immemorial, that's been a phrase that people have used. But they were like, there's no song in the album called Order for Chaos. And I'm like, that's not the point. Exactly. Yeah. The, the point is, and what I was always tried to express to them was, the album as a collection of songs is a separate manifestation of artistic creativity as, with respect to or in, sort of in relation to each of the songs. The, the album does not have to be called a song title. That's not That's, required. Yeah. So the collection, of songs, the collection of songs, it, it, what to me was a different and an entirely other even meta different representation than any of the individual songs themselves almost in, from a conceptual standpoint the the it was greater than the sum of its parts kind of thing exactly word 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 uh, I mean dude fuck around the world in 80 days that's a whole like a whole thing in itself man like well that was not the original version either no, no. okay the, no the, because the to go back to to go back to uh, Anthony Davis, DJ Chaos, First Offense. The first, and again, because like Thrust is the perfect person to be doing this podcast because he is like this isn't like he's like the Smithsonian. He knows everything. Right, 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 right. Um, he's one of the few people who heard the original version, and the original version sounded a lot more like Set It Off or Raw. By Big Daddy Kane. Okay. And they said, you can't put a song on a radio that doesn't have singing. And we said, have you, what about Let Your Backbone Slide? This is what A&M said. A&M said, they brought girls in to sing on the left on the right, and we started, we fell out of our chairs laughing. You, You don't even know that's a sample. That's a sample from a record. They yeah. said, they said, and I quote, what's a sample? The sample. I remember that part. 
That was when I re- that's when I realized, let me draw an analogy. That was exactly like the moment you're on a blind date with someone when you're looking at your watch going, up, oh, time to go. Right. Yeah. That was when the whole thing was like, this is a mess. This is an utter, unmitigated mess. And it, it was an ugly, bumpy toboggan ride to, you know, crap town after that. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, of course, man. Okay, it was an ugly, on. unmitigated ride to shit town after that. You can say whatever you like, man. Hey, man, yeah. you, are, you haven't said it, you can say it right here, man. You're home right here. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are like yeah. a slice of home for me, for real. Yeah, some people be scared to come out here, man. Like, shit. <laughs> what? But no, you can say it, man. It's like, just air it out. Because the thing is, a lot of stuff, like, that's why I like the show, and I like doing it. Like, so much stuff is remain untold, or just, like, little snippets, little interviews. It doesn't really paint the picture, right? So. Well, and this is this is people this is wonder, because, people because even wonder. you know even even as you were saying that I mean one of the things that was that um, that I've discussed you know because I speak to West like on like a like twice a week like we talk mm-hmm. very frequently and one of the things that I mention occasionally to him is that um, much like the 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 you know, the great work that you guys are doing by documenting people who were critical but to an extent lesser known on the scene is they don't get shine. And I say to Wes, I'm like, you got to remember something. When when talk of original stuff comes up, people always say Mishy West and the Dream Warriors, and then they skip over to... Sox and Cardinal, who I are, and Shockler, who are tremendous, amazing artists, and I love all of them like family. But they rarely, if ever, mention me. Oh, there's a lot of cats that don't get my. You know what it is? Like, yo, K Force is it like? You know what it is? Yeah, and for, Force to me is royal. If you want to break it down to numbers and over years, I look at people. There's people come out for one or two or three years and they disappear. But if you look up, there's a certain people been in this for like. A good 20, 25 years consistently. Then the struggles have been 10, some 5. You know what I mean? It's like, so you look over time, and people are consistent over time and make contributions over time. And they have not been mentioned at all. You know well, when you look at, you know, to take And those are the people you're on here. Like, and, and the names, and it's no disrespect to the names that are consistently brought up. It's not even, it's not, it, that's nothing. That's not, it has nothing to do with that. It's just that the mass media, the people that interview, the people that's coming out to investigate, the people that's reporting, we don't control that. So that's, they just gravitate to that, and they don't dig any deeper, right? And even those people that we're talking about the interview all the time, they don't really get an interview like this, right? So No, this is very true. I mean, and even, you know, so, to be, be very clear, you know, you are one of those people who deserves way more shine. Uh, motion is one of those people who has done oh, yeah, an incredible amount of work for other people, unselfishly giving of herself and her time and her skills and her compassion and love for not only the art form but for the city to to build and to push up and to lift up with her own bare hands. Um, it's examples like that where you're like, wow, you know, there are a lot of people who get pushed to the side. Which is unfortunate. Well, you know when I look at it, you see it. You in America? America's a little different. Canada is like a different system, and up here, 
almost like you can't expect that because they don't even uh, push the the arts, unless you're in Quebec and shit. But they don't really push the arts like that and the field, the entertainment, the culture. That's not the thing that's pushed. And when it comes to hip-hop, and being in that lane and you look at it, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like we got to do it ourselves and then some. You know what I mean? It's always been like that, if you're going to remain here. Right. Without without question, because the um, even to go to double down to go you know further to your point, um, you know there were incidences like when there was the you know again thrust you know about this because you were there for if you were weren't standing right beside me it's because you and I had conversations about it, but there were issues of VJs on Much Music taking shots at me like. Uh, once the second record came out, it's like because there had been, uh, you know, half a dozen people who'd got label jobs, all of a sudden they acted like they didn't know you despite the fact that you'd known them from the time that you were like before you were even in your teens. Yeah. So there was, um, it was, it is, it is a, a very worn phrase to use, the whole crabs in the bucket concept, but it is apt and it is accurate. Um, so, it, it, it does. It did present a lot of. It's a very challenging thing to remain a productive, constructive artist that puts out music that has um, uh, a degree of authenticity and positivity to it when you're surrounded by that much negativity and selfishness. Ah, uh, yeah. You know why? Yeah. You, you can't just. You can't argue that, right? Yeah, you know it, it, it. It's challenging. It's cha- it's very very challenging. And yeah, oh. I mean, it's it, that's why it's like for the longest time it was like I love hip hop, but I can't stand the industry. Why do you think Dr. Dre left the situation? Like certain artists, you see him just leave situation. You know what I mean? And you're like, wow. You know what I mean? That's what it is, right? Like when you yeah, exactly. And that's that's why I think. I mean, after a lot of personal kind of soul-searching, because obviously, I mean, I've had a very, well, you know, interesting, I suppose, is the easiest word to use, interesting path that I've taken, is one of the lessons I've learned is that the baggage that, the baggage that comes along with having that viewpoint is essentially, at the end of the day, it's, it's useless. Oh, so oh. you're much better off jettisoning, it, jettisoning that baggage and put being in a place of, I, I'm not giving anybody any more free rent in my head. I'm not giving anybody any more right. time or effort or love if they don't reciprocate that love. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, let's quote the gods and the earth. You go where the love is. I don't want to go where I'm not loved. People go where there's food, man. They go where there's food. They go where there's love. They go where there's light and warmth and and fellowship and people who <laughs> will encourage Instead of people who will, or environments that will tear other people down. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and there's there's something to be said for negative encouragement, and and there's also something to be said of, you know, yo, in Toronto, we, you know, you came out of that environment because we threw bottles and cans and stuff at people, and you know, Ron Nelson got hit in the head with a soda can at a concert hall. Like we didn't care who you were. It's like that's all great, but then for some artists who may have been, like to me, someone like D. Shen, who I thought should have been signed, should have put an album out. What happened to her, huh? Oh, man. She moved. She, I, 
she lives in the states. She's I believe. Yeah, you know, because yo, I have it in like in the notes, man. Like Tracapella, it's she's on it. Farley Flex raps on it. Mm-hmm. Maestro's on it. Shonda, uh, and Peter and Anthony are on it. Yo, Peter and Anthony are on it. Are those the first rapping producers? You know, I'm guessing maybe in Canada, right? Rumble was behind. I guess Rumble yeah, was yeah. Rumble was strong. Yeah, 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 yeah. Too. But uh, it was like Sean Del. Oh, you right. have the Shan, Shan, the same thing that that you were talking about happened to her, and then you know what I mean. You know, I had such a crush on her, bro. You know what I'm saying? Word, she's word. In, she's in Atlanta. I know she's good. She's. Me and her still kind of talk on Messenger or whatever. I know she's cool. But, yeah, man, that's just what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's what it is. Yeah, man. so it's, uh, it's the definitely, without question, it's the journey of the artist. So. Yeah, we, well, the thing was we saw, that's the thing I tell a lot of people, like, we saw so much at such a young age that there was so many ways you could deal with certain things. You know what I mean? Some people couldn't handle it. Some people could. Some people matured. Some people moved to it. Like, it just sent people in different directions. You know what I mean? So that's what it was, really. Because look at your thing, 18, 19, 20, you're in these situations, man. You know what I mean? I I couldn't even articulate it better than that. I mean, one of the things that that I say to Wes, or one of the other things I say to Wes when we talk frequently is, uh, and and this is something it res it resonates very hard because it's something that kind of echoes really really deeply in my chest when I when I really sit and meditated about it, meditate about it and that is we all thought we were men but we were really just boys word we really really thought we could handle stuff and we didn't realize that it's like damn we were stepping into an arena of people and situations and options and choices and life and, and sometimes life and death situations where these things should not have been have been put before people as young as we were. And just like Russ said, for some people, they were formative things that you became, you know, it was like a, a fire that, that hardened the clay. Unfortunately for other people, it was it were they were the singular things that broke them. No, but the only reason it happened, right? Like, remember, like you said, you can see it. Like even in this year and now, you know, we get into that a little bit later. But you know, what I'm saying we'll, we'll touch on it. But it still relates. We're talking about and the music and the film and everything. In the U.S., there was like that infrastructure. So when Dr. Jekyll and Hyde and, and Houdini and all the greats, like Russell Simmons, all these guys came in, they didn't come in with no infrastructure. They could pull back on their uncles and their great uncles and the, or the whatever that were into, like, the blues and the jazz and releasing records. You know what I mean? They had that format, and it was managed. Oh, my senior uncle was a manager. He used to run this band over here. So if you guys want to do this rap thing, you do this. You get what I'm saying? That absolutely played a huge like, amount so, of um, a so huge they, role like, in it. When they were young, so they came in. I thought they were able to like capitalize and get come in and have that structure. We came into it and it was like certain, certain men, not and not taking anything away from it, but it was like the Ivan Berries or the so and so's or whatever was learning on the fly. This guy was learning on the fly. They were also like twenty four, right. twenty three. You were seventeen. Kevin was K Cut was like. Eighteen. So, you get what I'm saying? And yeah, it's like yeah. you're just doing some like and then like you said, we're moving at the speed, right? So 
that was just part of the magical ride. But the six elements were, were almost destined not to fall apart because we didn't have the infrastructure and see, like, you know what I mean? If we keep this up and keep doing it this way, this is going to happen. They already had that figured out. In, right. in, in, in the in the boroughs and, and in Los Angeles, once the lake came, I thought lake exploded. Then Atlanta exploded. All those things spoke. They already had infrastructure for music, right? And how to get it out, or entertainment, how to get it out. Or I always thought it was right? a numbers game too, right? We don't have the numbers that they do in the state. I'm sorry, sorry, they don't have the what? Cities, right? most of those cities you talked about, they don't have the numbers we had in Toronto. Toronto's still a major city, always was like numbers wise. Right, I'm saying like a city. If we were organized that structure infrastructure you know, in a real, you know what I'm saying, independent way and understood what management, promotion, marketing, you know what I mean, is and how to build that and maintain that, right? How to handle the money, right? Uh, you get what I'm saying? Into yeah, that, and, and then in addition artists, to that, it right? was... Like, that's why I think we got to get, uh, there's a few people who was onto it, like at time, like we talk about our, our, our Julian from our Google, like, Google uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like he came on the scene. He was moving. He had everything funneled away. Like, and you see, we're starting to roll in this way, right? So it's interesting, right? But down there, they had that, right? Yo, can I ask you something? Because you're the first person that's been on that I can ask this to. What is ISBA? Oh, ISBA is a. I I honestly don't know what if it's an acronym or if it's a word in another language. I. I really should have done my due diligence because I honestly <laughs> couldn't tell you. Um, but ISBA was a label that was owned by two guys from Montreal who had done a lot of um, French-Canadian music, dance music, that kind of thing. Um, and they had also signed uh, HDV. Okay, it works. So they were, when, when, when yeah. things went south with uh, A&M, um, that was where, uh, that was where I ended up. And again, I mean, much to Thrust's point, I mean, again, I would double, I would not only agree with what Thrust said, but I would double down on it because the thing is, it wasn't just that, uh, um, uh, I'm trying to use the right way to explain this. It wasn't simply a passive lack of resources that were difficult, were a damn near impossible mountain to surmount. It was additionally the active resistance of certain edifices and organizations and so on and so forth to the momentum of hip-hop in Toronto. Exactly. So it was the combination of both of those things. I mean, I, I hope I'm not splitting hairs in that respect, but, but it, that, it, it, the difference is subtle but significant because... I was around in those rooms because here's the thing. Because again, it's, it's air out time, so I really don't give a rap. No, just say it like, like, like you can um, say it. Like you, say you know, it. when I had people like you know Sookie and Lee on Much Music who said the trash that she said about me, which was you know, uh, um, it was you know to me it was tantamount to spitting on my father's grave. I was like, you. I saw exactly what people thought not only of me, but of, you know, when I had a beef with Monica Diol because she thought I said something, and right. it turned out that I said something entirely different, but she wanted to, you know, take it where she took it, which basically, uh, was it, was her name Sharon Lawrence, is that her name, who ran Electric Circus? Oh, um, 
Uh, what's her name? No, Sharon Lawrence was that her name? Was it Denise Darling? No, was it Denise? Denise, was, a, Denise yeah. was the head of was the head of much more. Yeah, at the time. I can't remember. Um, the name but but right? regardless, regardless, she was put in this situation where Monica Thiel was like, I don't want him ever like on the show or if possible on the network anymore. That was mm. my. That was how the information was relayed to me. Right. Over over a, over a misunderstanding that she did not want to listen to me about. So I was kind of like, all right, you know, and I harbor no ill will towards her personally because I'm like, I hope she's doing great. But regarding that specific incident, I was gravely disappointed that she felt like proving what ultimately was a Pyrrhic victory in trying to put the bricks to me. You know, it's stuff like that. And then on top of that, being in things like the executive offices at at A&M and being in, you know, all these labels and stuff. And this is where things got real dicey where... Hold on, hold on. You can't just skip What's over up? that. You got to skip over that Monica Dio thing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You got you to gotta go back to what's brought that, because that was, like, actually one of the craziest moments at Live of the Barbecue, dude. Like, uh, oh, like, okay. All know, right. So, all right. After that, one of the most underground hip-hop things. That's the, like, ghetto concert got together, because I think you did that, like, that energy. Like, it was one of those nights where hip-hop came back. Like okay, okay, my, my apologies, I didn't, I didn't mean to, like, skateboard right over that. Yeah, okay, so, yo, tell the story how it goes. I, I caught the Holy Spirit, I, got, I went nuts. Um, so, <laughs> to, to backtrack for a moment, there were these absolutely, utterly incredible jams that, uh, um, um, X, Thrust, Mastermind, Scam, Supreme, it, it, would put on Farley and John Bronski would host called Live at the Barbecue. Live at the Barbecue. Okay, inspired by the title, obviously from the main source song. All right, of course. Um, yes. Um, we all went to, I believe it was the 1990 music new music seminar in New York, and it was uh, it, it was Thrust, Me, 10K, Farley, Ice, Big C. There was a group of us, and we went to, I believe it was uh, the Hollywood Basic Party. Yeah, but what? Uh, Organized Funk, something else. Something else. Right, Dave Klein, And he yeah. had a bunch of models walking around in the party with buckets of chicken, passing out chicken. And I was like, man, you won me already. Shoot. <laughs> um, so we brought, look, we, I can't say we. X brought that concept back. I did not. It was, it was that is erroneous for me to say anything. I, let me be uh, uh, X brought that back and implemented that wildly successful. Wildly successful. Um, so there was, I believe it was the second one at the Rivoli. Packed out. The vibe was insane. Hosted by John Bronski and Farley Flex. Um, Power, Scam, and Mastermind are all on the wheels. Oh, no, Power Scam and X are all on the wheels. Um, Wasn't that the four turntable? Didn't we do the four turntable mix of Scratch and everybody? Wasn't it? I think it was like a four turntable, like two DJs. That I remember. That It was something like that. It was crazy. It was something it was like, like that. Like two DJs. It was paired. Right. It was something it was like, like Scratch that. Scratch and Scam and X and Mastermind and Cyclone it, and DTS. It was nuts. It was was nice. And and here's the thing. It was crazy. 
It was crazy. Now, Superior J performed, who you know now is Jay Blaze, the choreographer. Right. Okay? So she gets up there, does a couple songs, um, and her energy is, is just amazing. She's, you hear in, that, in, the, in her performance, she's the same person now that she was then. She has this wonderful, magnetic, effusive you know, passion for art and life, and you hear that in her performance. Um, shortly after that, there is a freestyle. So Farley calls everybody out, says, anybody want a freestyle, you know, y'all come up here and we'll do the whole thing, rah, rah, rah. So we get on the thing and they start spinning uh, Impeach the President, and everybody's kind of get, and, you know, Farley is very explicit where he's like, do your bars and then get the hell off the stage. Um, and it gets to me, and I do... My ver- and I do my thing, right? Now, I'm going to be real with you guys. <laughs> At that point, the record had come out, so I was kind of like, i got to bring something with extra heat because this is like reproving myself. Everybody's heard the song on the radio, but i gotta, I got to put something special on right here. This is like well, Crazy Concrete Times, like these times? Say what? This is Crazy Concrete Times, or is this still No, like- this is Order from Chaos. Okay, this is before okay. that, way before that. This is like summer of '91. Okay, 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 okay. Dude, Rex is a This is just when Brunson so, came out. Okay, proceed, proceed. I apologize. Right. So I get up, get on there, do my thing, and I say a line that I, be- if I recall correctly, and I know whatever, the line was something along the lines of. Back up, cause I, oh wait, it was back. Oh, man, you guys have really put me on the spot. Back up, cause I make you crap like Creole. I'm so damn large. I did Monica deal. Okay. Now, obviously, I did not do Monica. I, that's not. It's. It's. I'm. It's. It's absolutely completely. Art, artistic license to say something idiotic. Because if you look at me, there is. Right. It's. That's not happening. So I'm just being an idiot. And right? it was in the middle of a freestyle, like one thirty in the morning. But the yeah, thing, it was, it was, it was, yeah. But so, the reason that it went thing was because it was almost went viral. Because it was like the record, like the DJ cut the record out. But I said, I did it, and it's just like the crowd of them. Now, and, and, and his thing, what I remember is like when I went, said. Oh, sorry, yeah. if, if, if what I was gonna say, I didn't mean to sorry to interrupt, but I was gonna say what I remember is when I said that line. Farley, who had a penchant for doing things like this when he heard lyrics that he liked, he immediately grabbed me, put me in a headlock, and like put me in a bear hug. And I was like, uh, and I'm looking at him like, I'm like, I can't rap when you've got my your forearm on my face, dude. Like you gotta, you know, he's back. So he was screaming, going, "Oh my god, oh my god, that was the craziest thing I ever heard in my life." Now, to be quite honest with you. I was more amped because when he let when he finally let go of me, I did like a double up style, like I did like rapping double time, and I was okay. like, I was like, that I could do, and that was like at the time where the only other person I'd ever heard do that was a very young Jay Z and Jazz. Word, okay, okay. So I did this, I did this whole thing, and I'm like, I get off the stage, and exactly like I said, I'm not thinking about, I, I'm didn't think twice about it. 
But exactly like Frost said, 10 years prior to the existence of the Internet, somehow it went viral. I would use the term someone snitched, but yes, it went viral. Okay. So okay. It got back to her, but through, obviously through broken telephone, what she heard was different than what I said. Yeah. Okay, okay. So she lit into, my understanding was she lit into everybody at Much Music and, you know, was saying, and again, I'm just, maybe that's not true. Maybe she needs to, maybe she needs to tell me what happens. I, I mean, then again, I'm. Did you ever see it? Did you, I, I actually saw it, like, on TV. Did you actually see it when it happened? Like, were you home? Well, I was home, dude. <laughs> I was home when she came on TV. Like, I could almost quote it. What do you mean she came on TV? She came on TV and personally, like, came at Casino, man. What? The next it, day, it was, it was some... Versus, man. She addressed it, man. That's what we're talking about the story, man. She's like, okay, oh, artist Casino, I don't know what he's thinking. You know what I'm saying? I heard his little freestyle rap last night. He wanted to come at me. You know, it something was, like... It was... All in all, it was some it was some weirdness. It was like some she weirdness. Went in, like, she went in for like not an hour, but she went in for like that took like two minutes out of the show. You know what she I mean? Him. And you know what that show they don't talk about that show. Oh I do. There's more videos yeah, yeah, of so, you made the regardless, and you did the hip hop thing. It's great, man. It was right. awesome. It's your so I was just like, you know, I, I was just like, okay, you know, when she called me on Farley's very large at the time cell phone, and um, <laughs> demanded that I apologize. And I was like, I apologize. I certainly did not mean to hurt your feelings. I'm, I got to be honest with you, though. I'm not entirely clear about what I'm apologizing for because I certainly meant no ill will. Um, but that was one of those things where it was one of the contributing factors because, it, like at A and M, they didn't want. You know, they were just there was a whole bunch of people were just out of their friggin' minds. Right. So. They, you know, they went nuts. Now, here's the kicker. About 10 years later, if I can just take sort of a quick detour on this story. About 10 years later, I link up with Scam uh, on the phone, and Scam says, I have a tape of that night. Yeah. So I say, I would be very interested in hearing that. So I am in possession of the entire tape that I just discussed. Uh, I know you have. I know Scam has it. I've seen it before. I watched it back. <laughs> I have the audio tape of what I believe is Quadjo's first performance on stage. That's yeah. That's what Quadjo and Dodo let they they uh, like formed that. I remember Quadjo told me that man. It's crazy. Exactly. Um, I have. Uh, who else is on that? Um, the West. Even hey, the names of people that get peppered out in there, it's like all foundation people. West Indian Donkey. Oh, that was that was hilarious. And that, he killed it. He yeah, killed he, it. he killed it live, dude. He's like, yo. Motion freestyled at that. She murdered it. Rodness, man. So, yeah, yo, so all yo, yo, why are men harboring these? Man is transferring. We need this. Like, yeah. So 
so this is this is the thing when I say you know when I say uh, it's something that I have to you know obviously over a period of years you you kind of you got to let go of it because it's not constructive to sort of feel this way. But you get occasionally I get cheesed when I get left out of the discussion because I was there, and then on top of that, people forget it's things like I tracked in the studio. I tracked songs like Boiling Point by Concrete Mob. I tracked <laughs> songs like Black Rain by Citizen Kane. Yeah. They called her what up? Dude, they, well, that's, that's genius. Why we, they called okay. her as a genius. All the good. Swift. Swift. Born Swift is a genius. I know he is, man. You know what it is now? Fusion Express, what up, yo? You know what it is now is the time. When you're going to see more and more of that happening. It's just like, it's just Toronto's time in the role and when things actually unfolded. Oh, yeah, you know man. I mean? Yo, tons of stuff so, getting reissued right like, now. I love it, man. That, like, you, you know, like, man. The fact we sit here talking like this and there's more and more stuff. So it's just like, it's just that kind of thing. It's just natural. But trust me, people know the thing about it is it's just we're not in the place. Like, I find it's more people in different international corners and spots who've been watching and they and they on it. They know. Like, they know. But it's like your own indigenous place. We're not taught to create our own superstars, so we don't look for our own superstars. Like, here's, 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 a, here's an interesting thing, if, if I could dovetail ex- on exactly what you just said, is, first of all, again, I, I completely agree. You're absolutely right. Um, and additionally, this, I think the thing that grinds or has ground me out in the past about it is... Now I see a lot of people who capitalize on the the, the, the global reach of things like social media. Mm-hmm. And for lack of a better way of putting it, to condense it down to one phrase, is they engage in revisionist history. Yeah, well. Where you see people sort of talking as though they're the authority, and I'm like, I was kind of waning from the scene before you were even five years from stepping onto it. Right. And then I hear you with saying people's names and having them in your mouth like you're an expert. And unless you were negative six years old at concert hall, you weren't there. Yep. Right. So it's kind of one of those things where I'll see stuff. I see people because I pay attention. I mean, see everything, say nothing. I see a lot of stuff, but I'm like, I frequently will just kind of smile and nod to myself when I see it. And I'm like... And just keep it moving, because I see people loudmouth, as I'm sure thrust you do, where you see people loudmouth about, like, you know, oh, foundation this, or doing this, or this program, or this person, or whatever, and it's kind of like, you're 28 years old, what do you know about this? Let me tell you one thing about this, though, I always get along, one way to me, I always get along with young people, that's never the problem, it's always the people in between, but one thing about me, and you can ask anybody, I always will tell you the truth about whatever I hear, what I see. And that's just what it is. And that's, I don't care if you're doing it wrong, and I know y'all going to tell you too. Like, I said stuff to all kind of people, it's just the truth. And that's just the hip-hop in me. I'm not, you can't hold back that energy, and and that's just an undeniable force. So, it's like my name. So, that's just what it is. So, for other people, that's the problem, I think. They just don't want to say it. Like, more people should be like me, more direct, more straight honest, more... And then we could talk about something, get some of them. People just, here they don't know how to push, push push people forward. They think they're holding themselves back. So it's like this insecurity, man. It's so messed up, but it's just the truth, man. 
And that's what we think despite our talents and our efforts and what we do. <clears throat> and that's what you feel and what you see. It's not always there, but you can tell when the love is there because it's a higher energy, you know what I mean? Well, and this is this is sort of the thing that that kind of like you know you you walk a long journey and you find you find these things out not not necessarily out about anybody else, but because it's only really important you find them out about yourself first. Is is when you're content with yourself, when you love who you are, when you're comfortable in your own artistic expression, you're not threatened by other people. It's only a small person who takes another man's success personally. So. The unfortunate thing is when we, that is, when we were coming up in that time, there was a lot of that. It's like you can't succeed if I don't succeed. You can't get shine if I don't get shine. And if you, if you push something or you say, hey, and you don't say with arrogance, but you say with assured self-confidence, I'm good at this and I can do this, it hurt other people's feelings, and they got really bitter about it. And I'm, I'm still to this day not entirely sure why that attitude was that pervasive, but because, it was. Well, because then they couldn't control you, and then they can't get a piece of what you're gonna gonna do, or you might take their what they think is their so-called empire over. Well, and I always yeah. thought I, I understand, and that that's that is very that is very true. But what I also likened it to was it was a ref- on a like sort of in the quiet moments when someone was by themselves is it reflected that artist or that person's own insecurities about stepping into their own light. Yeah. Because somebody else did it, it they resented them because it reflected their own fear. Because that ultimately is it. The minute you can step into your own thing and say, I don't care anymore. The minute you really don't care anymore. Because there's two kinds of I don't give a fuck. There's I don't give a fuck when you're looking around to make sure that other people know that you don't give a fuck. And then there's I don't give a fuck, which means your head does not rotate backwards and you just keep moving forwards. That's right, man. And when you truly don't give a fuck, that's when great things happen. That's when happiness happens. Right. That's leadership, man. That's living. You know what I mean? So well, a lot of people scared to leave, man. They get up there. They're scared, son. They're looking back, man. They're looking yeah. back. And why? Why bother? Why bother? Light bill's always going to be due. Someone's always going to say you're not doing it the way you're supposed to. There's always going to be some bullshit. So why don't you just do it? I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not that way. I don't know. We're not that way. That's why we're doing this show. That's why we're putting out here. And, and one thing I say... You know, we're talking about this, like, people, like, more people need to do what me and T's are doing in our own or different kind of way, too, and document and say things, because it's better when you hear from your own, like, it's the same way in New York City, certain artists, Litify, got together, and they just made sure that these things, that these names are constantly said and being put in place. We can't, I can't expect any of these these so-called people to do this, this, this these things here and document it the way we can do it. You know what I mean? And and the network of people we know because it was a tight-knit network. You know what I mean? So you just got to get together and do it. And whether you're a DJ, a producer, an MC, a dancer, whatever, there's different ways to do it. We found this platform. You know what I mean? There's, there's other ways. So you just got to be... Well, and I'm incredibly grateful to both of you because what you guys are doing is the equivalent of trying to find the jigsaw puzzle pieces that someone has taken the box 
and scattered to the wind. I mean, we're doing the best we can, right? You know what I mean? But that's what makes it interesting, man. It's like a mosaic, man. You know what I mean? It's absolutely like that. So it's like, it's better to have, like, the 50 pieces, man. Why have, like, seven? You know what I mean? Like, let's have 50 pieces and we do 100 pieces. Like, let's see, because we're going to take all the... Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like yo, okay. It's just a clear, it's going to be a clear and better picture of what it is. And the thing is, like, you start learning, like, how it's all fucking six degrees of separation. Like, you and K-Cut, right? You know what I mean? He... Oh, he yeah. And, and K-Cut is like... I love that guy. Uh, that's my brother. That's my brother for real because we've Word. been through it. And we, we've lived. <laughs> like you guys, you and him did your whole second album, right? No, he only did. Um, he did two tracks. He did okay, Crazy Concrete and he did and he did Props Do. Uh, LTD did A Nation of Hoods. Uh, the twins who produced a lot of mathematics stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, they did, oh man, a couple of tracks who's, and I, I, forgive me, I I should know these, and I, 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 it's important that I say their name, I I apologize for not off the top of my head knowing which ones they produced, um, and then I did the, the remainder of the ones that they did not do, um, you did Crates to Concrete? Uh, no, K-Cut did. Oh, okay, 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 right, right, right. That was K-Cut. Yeah, I remember um, that video was fucking clear as day, like, as clear as day, yeah, That was, and even then, here's the other thing is, like, which was, and again, just to jump forward, right, I don't know if you, there was a video I put out, uh, I guess a year ago, um, called Mantra. Okay, yeah, 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 I saw that, I saw that, I saw that. Okay, I shot that entire video on my phone. Sick, Okay. So, and taught myself Final Cut to edit it and do all the necessary requisite stuff. Um, the At that time, you had to go to talk to a director and shoot the stuff on film. And the problem was you also had to deal, if you didn't have the money, which we frequently didn't, you had to deal with video fact. And in dealing with video fact, there was a whole other political thing that went along with that. And then you had to hope and pray that the director who was doing the, the video had his or her head screwed on correctly because otherwise you were going to end up with three minutes of hot trash. Right. And I had to go to war, and I'm saying war, with this dude who was doing the video saying, we're going to get all these models and they're going to strip while we're dropping these paper cutouts of records on them. And I said, no, we're not going to do that, and you're going to back the fuck up, and you're going to rethink your idea. And... So that was the constant battle, and like as I'm describing it, it's the same battle Wes went through, the same battles, and Michi had it twice as bad because she's a woman, right, as a black right, woman. Right, she right. had to she had to battle men in a male-dominated industry. Yeah. Um, you know, all these artists had to battle everybody to say no, no, no. Like, why when you don't know? And and we were the ones who built the scene, and we are the ones who, this is our lifeblood, this is what we live and breathe. Why are you coming in like this is a one-off project for you saying, yeah, okay, but I know what's good for you? Right. Which which is essentially what A&M did, because A&M was like, you know, again, to backtrack to that, in the meeting where they were like, well, we'd like to sign you, I was like, that's fantastic. In that same meeting, 30 seconds later, the president says, we think it would be a great idea if you did a song about the environment. 
And I looked at Farley and I said, that's really strange. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, that's really strange. I don't remember anybody going out to the alley and getting high and coming back in here with the intent to say stupid shit because that sounds like stupid shit. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell would make, would compel you to think that that's a good idea? And they were like, no, 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 it's a great angle. You're going to be a white rapper who raps about the environment. And I said, first of all, again, I'm half Japanese, half British. Okay? Second of all, ain't nobody rapping about the damn environment. I love to recycle. I like to compost. I do all that shit. But when nobody's rapping about the friggin' environment, so slow your goddamn roll. Should have been recording all that. That would have been the best. Oh thing. my god, dude, you have no idea. The best. Who wants to rap about the environment? I was like, "What the fuck, dude? This is like it's this is not a PSA thing. Fall back." So these are the fights that we went through. These are the things that we went through. There were people in the publicity department who, you know, had designs on people who I, I'm not going to blow people's spot up, but they had designs on people in my crew. And as a result, were pissing on me because they wanted to get to them, to have sex with them. People at A and M. Yeah, I know you're talking. About. And I was like, and these are people who, if I pulled their cards today and said, "Yeah, this person, this person, this person," you'd be like, "Yeah, whatever." Because what they did was they, you know, they went and started this whole thing about like, "Oh, Kish has a bad attitude, this, that, and third," which is like the same thing historically the entertainment industry says. Not to compare myself with Dave Chappelle. But Dave Chappelle brought it up when he said, when they don't want you to succeed, the first thing they call you is crazy. Yep. So they said, oh, he's got an attitude and his head's not screwed on straight. You know, they were saying I started fights with other people, other artists at the label. And I was like, where the fuck is all this crazy-ass crap coming from? And then you realize, nah, they don't want you to succeed. So I was like, that was, you know, that's one of those things where I don't really like to dwell on that stuff. At all, but those are the things that kind of drove me out of the music industry, which, by the way, now, when, you know, I make music now, there's a, there's a great degree of satisfaction in it in the sense that I'm not beholden to anyone. So I don't have to, like, make an excuse to tell anybody right. when it's coming out, you know? So... And, sorry, sorry, go on, go on. No, I was just going to say, it's like, so even, you know, as an epilogue, when I think about the people who did work at the at the lab at those labels. Um and it does again, it does no good to give them free rent. I truly honestly do wish for them that they are happy and healthy and living great lives. But within the framework and context of those situations, if there was ever an incident incidents when I was sitting down with them at some point now, I would have no problem telling them to go fuck themselves about that time because they were <laughs> grimy as fuck and if they got an issue it's like you know you should really sort of probably just leave if they were smart they're probably just something they should just let it go and you know you take you take the fair one that i gave you and you just keep your mouth closed because you know but again but again i hope they're living whatever whatever it's like it's like the old adage it's like i don't hate you and i don't even not like you i honestly want the best for you i just don't ever want to be around you because i know what you did Ah, uh, come on, buddy. Y'all want to ban like trading places. Come on. <laughs> that guy Looking good. Looking good. <laughs> <laughs> Looking good. No, but, but, but for real, but for real. I mean, like, because, again, 
because even in the, and this is as it relates to lyrical matter and hip-hop, it's important for me to graduate as a man to say things that take me out of those resentments. Because then what I say, what I put in my words, shows a degree of graduation. And again, it's not about I'm better than someone or I've, I'm showing them up or I got revenge on because I'm not interested in, the, in that. That's why, yeah. when, you know, again, not to, not to sort of change directions yet again, but that's why when people say success is the best revenge, I'm like, no, happiness is the best revenge. Success, yeah. success is its own thing. Revenge means you're still the prisoner of that person who did something wrong to you. And you're still thinking about them all the time. You're right? still thinking about them. You still that's want to get important. even with them. Yeah, the, the success, yeah. success is cutting. Success is a giant pair of scissors that cuts that stuff and leaves it behind. Word. Yep. Happiness, man. It's on Zone Island, buddy. Zone Island, Happiness Island. Let's say it over there. Well, I mean, you're, you're still making music. I just heard you on the Daniel joint. I heard you put, like, you put up the joint like you said a year ago. You're still doing it, though, right? Like, sure, I actually have the uh, honor of, of voicing the lead villain in the Disney show called The Lion Guard, and I write music for the show too. Well, I mean, listen, we're gonna we're gonna talk about okay, oh, we're gonna talk about that now. Like, let's just wrap up because, like, I know you, you you're doing engineering and shit. You did Judah T last joint too, right? Yeah, he tracked it at my place. Yeah, him and yeah, uh, so, him and Saber yeah. came through, and yeah, uh, okay. and I um. Uh, and so Junior cute, is one man. of those guys who's uh, just such a, not only an incredible spirit, but just a superlatively gifted artist. That guy is just, he's just his sense of intuition and music is just unparalleled. Um, and one of my one of my best, like my, he's like a he is a brother to me now is Lord Quest. Oh, word, yeah. yes, oh. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And Lord Quest is, is one of those guys where I look at him and I'm Dope. inspired by the degree of focus and um, uh, just determination he puts into music and how much he truly, honestly, just loves music. And that's the kind of thing that takes me back to being 15 years old, writing out verses in school while hiding behind a textbook. Yeah, that's not. the kind of thing where I'm like, that's hip-hop. That's what brings me back. When I see that, I see him do his thing. I'm like, to me, that is the essence of what hip-hop is. That's where all the other negative stuff, all the resentments, all the other, it all fades. Word. And you realize this was, this was the, the, the day one thing that made me love hip-hop. Yep. The rock, unadulterated energy, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, and just the joy of like, did you hear that sample? Or somebody mm -hmm. says something crazy and it's a phrase, and you're like, oh my god, it's like that's it, that's it, that's it. Or Running to the all those things. That that is the stuff that that is like it makes me see three, hip hop through you know fifteen year old, sixteen year old eyes, and I can I can do a song like Mantra, where you know I'll write it, produce it, mix it, record it, film the video, edit it, and do the whole thing myself. Word, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we live in those times now, right? It's awesome. Right, right. And there's no reason for any any of us not to empower ourselves. I mean, I see Thrust has been on numerous uh, releases where I'm like, damn, dude, you cutting videos and cutting songs and doing guest spots, and I'm like, and it's like I get that kind of like, um, 
<laughs> it's like the first time I heard a Thrust and Supreme so- uh, song. Uh, uh, Microphone fitness. Like, I get that same kind of like, oh, my God, I love this song. I love this song. And it's like that energized thing of, like, that inspired, like, Thrust, you inspire me when I see that. You know what it is? It's just doing it, just having fun, man. Music is fun. Any project we're doing, it's fun. It's like, it's back to that raw essence, like you said, that five-year-old, 13-year-old energy of just, you just discovered something and you just geeked and it's just, it's like lock yourself in the room and play it like thirty times in a row. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's like the first that, time I go inside. Go, I got the joint. You hear everything else, but I got the joint. Like yeah, I made yeah, a joint. Was, yeah, and you know what I'm saying? Like that's the thing, right? But it's just like a lot of things became a process, and, and it became like manufactured. And when because manufactured, no matter how much you try and deny it, like you become, you succumb to it because it's just like over time, right? That's, that's that's the reason why when it comes to things like you know as as you know what you guys are saying before the six to to remember those times and the way you felt in that period of of euphoria and discovery and excitement about hip hop um, is it's it's critical to stay in touch with those things with that feeling because that's the stuff that makes you. That's the stuff that that makes you listen to new music and pushes you forward and keeps you creating and it helps the thing you see things in the different angles that made you write songs when you were younger and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's 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 really it's crazy because, you know, again, it's 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 why through a lifelong process it's real easy for a lot of people to be bitter. It's a lot more fun though when you can just cut that stuff and walk on. Oh, of course. Um, and and that's that to me is when you know, that, like I said, that's why when I see thrust, when I see your stuff, it's like I, I'm not only applauding, I'm also inspired. So I'm grateful for those things, and I'm grateful for when you know when Dan asks me to do something, or you know, Eternia sent me this. She said, you know, I get to be on a track with Kish, and I was like, I had to like go like just sort of, I was stunned. I had to just. You know, I couldn't even say anything while I'm said, I'm watching this video that she recorded on Instagram because I was mixed with this thing of incredible, it being incredibly humbled and grateful. But I was like, it was almost like emotional because I was like, she's amazing. She's an incredible artist. And for her to say that, I was like, it's like you almost forget sometimes. And... For her to say that, I was just I was touched and I was also inspired by that. So it's it's for me that's where I try to look at it, you know, on a constant basis now. So when I say the names of of all the people who I came up with, you know, like you're saying, like Rumbling Strong and DJ Devour and shows with um, Biz Marquis and Big Daddy Kane and Cash Money and Marvelous at Concert Hall and you know Nice and Smooth and all this crazy stuff going on at concert hall and stuff. I say those names with reverence and love because that's where the, the beginning of everything came from for me. Yeah, it's the heartbeat, man. That's the pulse. Yeah, it is absolutely the heart. That's perfect. It is the heartbeat. It is the heartbeat. See, yo, how'd you get into voiceover work, man? That's right. I mean, listen, okay, 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 okay. So obviously, like, I went and I looked at your IMDb. Dude, it's like fucking 17 pages long. <laughs> um, 
I just heard this <laughs> shit. Like, I'm like, yo, Lion Guard, because I've watched it with my kid. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, your, kid, your kids like the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, send you, I'll send you some Ooh. stuff. I'll send you some Lion Guard stuff. Ooh. Okay, word, word, word. Hey, hold on, hold on. Ooh. I'm like, because we both had kids. And our, kids our kids watch this. So, who, when I go home, I'm going to make it personal. I never do this, but I'm doing this for my daughter. Who, I'm like, uh, are you? Jonja, the lead hyena. Right. You're Jonja, man? You yeah. really, man? Oh, yeah. that's crazy, man. You know, my daughter, like, she, that's like one of the, you know, her favorite shows. We watch her like every week. I go home if and tell her trip. It, there's a joke. I was joking with Wes where I was like, I'm so grateful for Lion Guard because I actually, um, uh, <laughs> the, the, the first song that I sing as Jonja in the very first in the 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 introductory like the movie The Lion Guard, yeah. um, is, uh, the song is called Tonight We Strike. Yeah, um, I have to sing it. Yeah, you know I sing that song. That's so crazy, dude. That's that's me singing it. Dude, I sing that song every time. That was like my favorite. I just sing it all week. I yeah, all that's week. it. That song. Year. That song, and I would joke Wes, I go, that song has four and a half million hits on YouTube. Amazing. And, I, and I'm laughing because I'm like, who knew that I had to be, who knew that all I needed to have a successful recording career, who knew that all I had to be to have a successful recording career was to be a, a hyena? Isn't that fucking awesome, man? Like It's amazing. Right? It's amazing. Like, dude, oh, dude, man. So, ah, yeah, it's so awesome. So, and, 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 the, and the thing is, um, and that's just like, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is just this is just one thing. I don't know. Like, yeah. like, just go check this guy's IMDb and shit. You know what I mean? Like, Star Wars, Clone Wars. I watched the shit out of that, man. The the new two, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, uh, what else? The other Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Steven Universe, the regular show. Um. You did the, the E True Hollywood for Snoop. Yeah, that's right. I narrated that. Yeah. Right. Um, there's a bunch of games too, but they're all a blur Video because games, I right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I just that, a lot of them you yell your head off, so I'm just like I can't. I'm trying to remember what the names are, but all right, I remember yeah, is yeah. hours and hours of yelling. Um. Uh, yes, it, the Clone Wars was dope because that was actually um, I got to play Saw Guerrero. And the dope part about that was um, was when they went to do Rogue One, they gave Forrest Whitaker what I did with Saul Guerrero in the Clone Wars and said, this is who he is. You have to make him when he's after all of that has happened to him. Right, 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 right. So I was really, I was completely blown away by that. Wow. Let's go, let's go, man. So yeah, there's that. Uh, I've I've had the 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 tremendous honor to be on a lot of really amazing, wonderful, wonderful things. Um, and and <laughs> if there's ever a career that you could ever think that would be the perfect transition of being in the studio rhyming, it's being in the studio doing voiceover. <laughs> Oh yeah, I've done tons of voiceovers all the time, man. Like, how did you how did you get into that? Like, how did that come about for you? Well, my ex-wife actually is a is an incredibly successful uh, voiceover 
talent actor, and she was the one who said, you know, because around that time it was like, it was the beginning of the end for a lot of like traditional record label stuff. And okay. she said, well, listen, you have a lot of technical knowledge and you built me a home studio and you've performed and you've recorded. Why don't you just, tr- just take a class and try it? And I was like, resist it because I'm like, I've never acted in my life. I have no idea how to, she's like, just, just go, just go, just go, just try it. So for a year, I took classes with a whole bunch of different, uh, bunch of instructors, which I strongly recommend because, you know, I get a lot of people who, you know, give me the whole thing like, yo, hook me up with your agent and thinking that, you know, they're going to walk in the door and 15 minutes later they're cashing a check for $500,000. Made a voiceover demo and in 2003 I got signed and since that time, that's the only thing I have done is voiceover. That's awesome, man. I love it. So that's, to be able to just do that is something that daily I get up and I'm like, I'm incredibly grateful for. Yeah, I imagine that's a grind, just like anything else, is it not? Um, it's not really. I mean, to be quite honest with you, like music is... It, uh, music is a is a harsh mistress. It will drive you really. Rid- you'll work a lot harder than you'll work on a forty hour week. Exactly. But because but because you love it, it won't feel like work. Right. And that's that's very much the same thing with with voiceover. Voiceover is one of those things where it's like, yeah, I mean, I you got to be on top of stuff. You got to return emails and calls promptly and you got to know how to engineer and turn things around in no time flat. Yeah. Um yeah. but I wouldn't have it any other way. Mhm. And dope. you know, yeah, and as as it goes hand in glove with with music, is it's that that allows me like cause, like June's Junior T called me and said, "Listen, you know, we're in Hollywood, can we come through?" And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. So he ran through, the, he came through the crib and he goes, listen, I just got this track. Do you mind if I track it here? And I, it, you have to be that ready with your home studio to go, yeah, I could do that. Mm-hmm. And boom, set it up, had him ready to go. Boom, he tracked it. Saber came in. You know, he she tracked her part and that was it. And that what ended up being the first single off the Studio Monk album. Yeah, yeah, it's dope, man. But it, but it all comes from that place of you have to be, it, it's it's almost like stay ready so you don't have to get ready, and practice doesn't make perfect, perfect practice makes perfect. Right, mm-hmm. right. So you got to just stay on your chops, and when you do it every day, then, you know, if June's comes by and says, yo, can we track this? I'm like, boom, of course, because that's, sure, no problem, that's easy. That's what I do. Is what I do. <laughs> what, what, what's the you gonna be? You making any music now, still, or what? There are a couple tracks I'm working on right now. I had to take a, a bit of a hiatus because uh, the last couple of months of last year were a little crazy, and then straight out the gate this year, um, my I, there was a, f- a family funeral. I had to go to Texas, oh, um, nice. so I was kind of like, uh, it, it was a lot of you know, <laughs> the, I hate. I hate being an adult, but you got to do adult stuff. I'm not talking about the funeral. I'm talking about, like, the paperwork business stuff. Yeah. Um, and then going to the funeral was something that was it was very, obviously, life-changing. And, you know, you have to be there for family and stuff. So um, I kind of just sort of withdrew a little bit for a couple of weeks and was like, let me just 
you know, rebalance and recalibrate everything so that when I'm ready to start to, to put some effort behind some new music that I'm making is that I feel that I've kind of digested those emotions mm-hmm. and now I can move on, I can move forward. Yeah, I, you don't forget them, but you digest them. Exactly. I feel that, man. Ooh. All right, yo, man. Good, this is a good fucking interview, Ooh. man. Yo, oh, man, so much, man. Yo, Bruh, we, I was shoot. We could. I'm like, I'm gonna talk for a couple more hours if you want. <laughs> yo, I'm gonna tell you. I'll tell you a funny story, man. One time, I remember being at like you know you go to summer day camp and shit. So we were down at Harbor Front. And you were doing some kind of fucking interview there. Do you remember ever doing an interview at like Harbor Front? Oh man, vaguely. Right? I don't know. Vaguely. I feel like it would have been for like a new music or a much music or something, right? But I remember going to we were like summer camp seeds, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, like yo, geek, you know, like, yo, that's kids, man. They're like, okay, yo, we're going That's over so crazy. That's okay. I'm trying to think uh, now. I'm no, trying no, to think. I'm going to sit here and watch Kish get interviewed. I you guys will do your thing. Like, I couldn't have been no more than 10 years old. You know what I mean? Max. Oh, my goodness. Nope. Anyways. Yo, Kish, good to talk to you, man. Dude, it was great talking to you, and I'm, I'm glad we finally got a chance to link. It was... Uh, an absolute pleasure. It was a wonderful conversation, and I'm glad we got to pull out some jewels and pull out some gems. And I'm also glad, exactly like Thrust said, it's like to to put people's names into the air that deserve and warrant the respect and attention because they are, you know, they're not part of the scene. They are the cornerstones and the foundation that hold up the scene. It, it, it's so crazy, man. Like. We'll, we'll talk about a little more off air and stuff, but the fact that, like, you, know, you guys have those tapes of barbecue and stuff like that, like, I don't know. We have to figure something out. Like, all this stuff needs to be out. There's no point in having it, people not knowing it. You know what I mean? Like, yo, this is a, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, we RC to get the hub. RC's got to be I agree, man. Like, the presidente of this, of this thing right here. All right, man. Oh, sorry, sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, because it's kind of like I have this sort of weird, re- like Wes always jokes with me about it. It's like I have this weird reputation that's kind of like Samurai Jack. It's like, you know, wander alone and unknown, and then, you know, when you think you're running stuff, it'd be like, oh, I think you forgot about me. Right, and I think right, I've heard right. you run your mouth one time too many. So let me set the record straight. Yeah. Keep the blade sharp, you know. I got to keep it sharp. I've seen it, man. That's one of the sharpest memories all in my life. I never heard that. What this man face felt like? Look at this, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Look at that energy. All right, viewers before the sticks, we're out of here, yo. Thrust, yo. Let's get it. You know what I'm saying? Thanks don't, for listening, guys. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, comment on the iTunes, right. on the Google Play, That's right. on the Stitcher, on all of those mediums. That's right. Hit us up, views before the sticks at Gmail, all that stuff. And we're out of here, y'all. Let's go. Peace.